recently saw this really cool documentary called Life Animated. Um, I'm not sure if it's out in your state. It's not out in Tennessee yet, but we were lucky enough to go to a film festival and see it premiere. Uh, not see it premiere, see it premiere at that location. Um, so I, I definitely recommend that you guys check it out. I think eventually it will be up on Netflix and all that good stuff. But it kind of led me into wanting to find out a little bit more about autism, but more importantly, sharing it on this platform with you guys. Um, and if you have questions or comments for our guests, uh, you can call us at 901-260-5926. Nick, how, how can they reach out to us on Twitter? I don't know. I don't run the Twitter. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Legitimately don't know. Yeah, our handle name. I don't even know it. All right, give out the number again then. <laughs> uh, you can reach us by phone at 901-260-5926. And you can reach out to us on Twitter at Tell Me More Radio with the hashtag Tell Me More Radio. Um, News to me. <laughs> we'll respond to you guys there. Uh, we appreciate it when you reach out and call us. One of our regular callers and friends of the show, Adrian, sent us the most beautiful package and letter the other day, and it meant so much. Um, a letter is coming back to you, Adrian. And you're such an important part of our family. If you want to call us in, call us later. You know how to reach us. Um, so so let's talk a little bit about autism, guys. Uh, tell us a little bit about Rex's story. When, when was he diagnosed? When did you realize that there might be something about your child that was a little bit different from your three older children? Sure. Yeah. So like uh, Brooke mentioned, we have four daughters. Or I'm sorry. We have three, four children total, three older daughters. And then our son, Rex. And um, I think one of the first things we noticed with him, I mean, he's a boy, so he was naturally you know, a lot different than the girls, um, even in the beginning. But um, about at 12 months old uh, is the first time I remember getting a little concerned um, watching him watch a television show and um, doing kind of a funny movement with his mouth and his hands. And um, I've seen it uh, because I'm a certified teacher and I work with kids. I've seen similar type uh, movements in children. And I knew that was kind of um, a red flag for autism. And um, they call those kind of uh, motions, repetitive motions, uh, self-stimulation. And so I saw he was stimming a little bit. And I thought, well, maybe he's just really excited and he's just doing it um, because of that. And then when he was about 18 months old, um, we started noticing that he wasn't speaking a lot and he could repeat things like, hi, mom, hi, dad, bye, train names. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, along with the, the stemming behaviors, the, the big delay in, in speech, you know, from, from where the girls were at that age and, and from where his, his peers were. Um, the other big thing that I noticed is or, or was the, um, how he interacted with others. He was totally... He, he could care less to, to play with anybody. Um, if they came over and, and wanted to play with him, he was, he was totally fine playing um, by himself. And in fact, preferred playing by himself. Um, he, would, he would avoid others you know, when, when other kids were excited. Um, he may show a little bit of reaction, but where mm -hmm. other kids would, would go and, and kind of gravitate, gravitate together to, to any degree, um, Rex wouldn't. He, he was happy. Um, in fact, way more comfortable by himself. Um, that, um, along with the way he played, um, whether it be you know, early on it was cars and it was always lining up his cars. It was never really playing with a car the way I, uh, you would typically see a, a, a child play. It was always lined up. It was always very methodical. Mm -hmm. um, 
he he took a, a strong liking to trains, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit as, as well. But um, with his trains, it was never really animating his trains or or giving his trains personality. It was always very methodical, lining them up one order, um, often the the same order. Right. Um, if, if you disrupted that order, um, that was a problem for him. Either um, you could tell he really didn't like it, mm-hmm. or he would quickly put it back in that same order. You could rearrange the trains when when he wasn't looking. He would come back. He would notice, wow. even at that young age, he would he would notice um, that out of order and. and Quickly. So he was hanging on to a lot of anxious energy that you yeah. don't usually see as a right. kid. We and talk about mm-hmm. play a lot on the show and how we can learn to play as adults. But even as a kid, he wasn't really embracing that idea of just being free and being able to to do what he wanted. Right. And going along with that, um, probably the last, so there's about like four big things we noticed when he was before two, um, is that he had a lot of a, like aggression because mm-hmm. I think he felt frustrated a lot. And so um, he would, I mean, we got to a point where we got concerned for his safety because we would be in situations where he would hit his head so hard on things that we thought he's going to hurt himself, you know. And so, um, and then just different situations where you could tell he felt uncomfortable instead of where a typical child might um, voice that in a different way. You know, he would um, get like a physical, like he would pull my hair or he would pull his sister's hair or he would do something kind of aggressive that let us know like the situation is stressful for me but you know that's not typically you know appropriate way to respond to stress so that was probably our and and to go back to what what you said as as far as play and not knowing how to play or or not knowing how to um, interact I don't know that that it was so much that he didn't know how just that form of what we see as typical play mm-hmm. didn't make sense to him. Mm-hmm. He, I, I, I don't think, I think he was very comfortable in, in the way he played. It, it wasn't a, there may have been some un, uncomfortable and, and some anxiety and, and um, some stress there, but, but a lot of it was, no, this makes sense to me, lining it up in this order. This is the order that I have to have because this is what works for me. What you guys are doing just doesn't make sense. I don't know why you would want me to play with anybody else. Right. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable. So what did the process look like? You guys are saying that you started noticing that mm-hmm. he was had different sensory indicators than other kids. He was right. developing a little slower in his speech than mm-hmm. your older kids. But yep. what did you do from there? Um, well, so I took some videos of this thing. I mentioned the first thing, the, stel- the self-stimming, because um, I thought it's kind of hard to explain to someone who's never seen it what it looks mm-hmm. like. Um, and so at his two-year-old checkup, I took it to the doctor and I said, well, you know, what do you think? And he said, well, you know, he's awfully young. He said, so, you know, um, but if you're concerned about it, why don't you, you know, take him to a neurologist and make sure these aren't seizures. And so we kind of started with the medical route okay. to make sure there was, you know, nothing going on in his brain that was medical, um, a medical issue. And um, along that same time, we also went ahead and had his hearing tested to make sure he could hear properly. Um he did need tubes. He had fluid, but um, that wasn't really the reason he wasn't talking. But, I mean, it probably contributed to him staying quiet longer. Um, so he had tubes put in at two and a half, well, I guess two and three months. And, um, you know, went to the neurologist and they ruled out seizures. And so the neurologist recommended us seeing a neuro um, psychologist, which is a, someone who basically tests for um, developmental disabilities. And... Um, 
along that too, at the same time, um, we went through TEIS and, um, I want to talk about that a little. Yeah, so along with getting the the medical test and, and talking to the, to the neuropsychologist, um, one of our options was to get involved with the state. So the state of Tennessee, um, through TIS or Tennessee Early Intervention System, system, mm-hmm. um, they offer benefits. They'll, they'll come to the house and and do their evaluations, and then um, help us to to obtain. Um, the proper care from there. So their their early evaluations pointed towards autism. It, it wasn't the um, the full test that we followed up with the, the neuropsychologist with um, at, to eventually get his his diagnosis. Uh, but everything was pointing there and pointing for the need for early intervention. You know, so that was big for him. Um, TEIS provides um, assistance from birth to three years old. So um, we had TAS come out and, and kind of help us through the process. They were able to um, put us in contact with some really good um, behavior therapists mm-hmm. and speech therapists um, that that worked with us for that first year and a half um, until they turned turned three. So that was big with with his development and to you know and that's big um, with any child with with a developmental disorder to to identify early and to to get that help early. Um, so TIS was, was huge for us. So how old was he when you had that confirmation? Um, so like official diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so from the neuropsychologist that we saw, um, it took us, um, we had an initial meeting with her when he was two and a half and she wanted to wait till he was closer to three to kind of quote unquote, let him catch, you know, see if he catched up, caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes kids just are maybe just lagging and they, catch up but um we came back when he was right at three years old and did a um a test like a series of tests that she performs and um there's parent interviews that they give teacher interviews that she collects data from and then about it took about three months for her to just go through all the data and get back with us and give us the formal diagnosis of autism so that we just officially received in december how did that feel was it scary relieving hmm um a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> um, you obviously it's, it's not a situation that you that you dream for your child, um, but at the same time we we're we we're to a point where we knew that he needed that additional help, the the um, additional resources. So it was a little bit of a, a relief, actually quite a bit of a relief, just so that we had. It, it felt like we had some more direction. Okay. And the now ability that, for him to get services, you know, that otherwise he might not have been able to get. Because um, with that diagnosis, you know, that opens doors for the school system when he turns three to get involved in that kind of stuff. So, and answers to, you know, questions like, or, you know, maybe we're just really bad parents and that's why he's slamming his head onto the ground. But, you know, it, it's not that, you know, that's not what was going on. And I think that's kind of a, a relief feeling really more than anything yeah, you know, so at that point, I, I think you're beyond the, the fear or the apprehension. You, you know that there are issues. You know that he needs help, and um, and and there are frustrations from him that you want to you want to help him with. So at, at that point, it it really is more on the the relief side. Okay, now right. you know, help us get some more direction and 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 get those resources. 
Yeah, I actually have a clip of, of somebody who is a little bit further down the road in their autism story. This is a, a kid who's about 13 years old and his mother is talking about um, where he is in his development and how how she feels about it a little bit. So Jessica, if we could play clip number one, please. Coping with autism and puberty. I would love to be in Alexander's head just for a few hours. He is autistic. He is nonverbal. He's having a hard time uh, going through puberty at this point right now. So he's having issues with the changes, but he's still my peaceful little Alexander. When you have a child with autism, you can see everything coming in. Everything is coming in, but it's going to the wrong places. Everything is too much. Um, touch can be overwhelming. Sound, change in routine. It's just you're trying to raise like the most sensitive little person. So much of him is just a 14-year-old boy, but he can't go ride his bike. He can't hang out with his friends and you know, have airsoft guns and do all those, you know, the things that he, he should be doing. No, you're not trying to hurt the dog. No. And so he's angry and he's sad and he doesn't understand why and I truly feel for him. Hmm. I mean, I identified with that clip um, and I think it, it says something important too because we all process things a little bit differently and this specific little boy is who's 14 now is was having trouble processing the world around him and was nonverbal mm -hmm. and i know i've been in situations where i felt like i couldn't communicate something but to have have that power even removed that's really scary rose i see you nodding <laughs> you've you've been writing over there do you have a question or a comment <laughs> to add oh i think you already asked that question it was about your feelings mm -hmm. like how how did you how did you um cope with that at the beginning yeah. and like yeah what, what are the feelings right now like right uh -huh. um well feelings right now are probably different than the feelings at the beginning um I think uh at the, at the beginning of it it was just like we want to find something you know we want to validate you know what's been going on and um validate that you know this isn't just like I said like something that we have done you know that this um that we want an answer and then once for us you know finding that answer really led us to help us make you know the best decisions for our son now because now we know what you know what we're dealing with so to speak and uh we can know where to go forward with it did it change the way that you parent your other kids I know you questioned your parenting skills mm -hmm. um yeah, yes and no hmm, yeah it there are challenges that are all, that Rex is always going to have, and and there's a, attention that we're going to have to give him that, um, in, in some ways, um, if if you're not careful, can take away from the girl. So it it it, it made you a little bit more conscious that hey, the girls have needs too, and and you know we can't um, we've got to pay them the attention that they need. Um, and validate their their feelings and their needs and and everything else, while at the same time juggling Rex's needs. So it, it's it's a different dynamic, um, for sure. Uh, but the the girls have really taken um, the, the the challenge head on, and have, and they're really great with with helping Rex and understanding when he's having a hard time, um, when to go and and help him more, when to back off when when they need to. Um, 
it doesn't eliminate their needs and, and they still have good days and bad days. They, they still have days where, you know, they need that attention. So it, it's a different, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, it, it, it didn't, uh, shift the, um, the, the focus or, or how we feel about them any different. It, it, it just presents a, a different challenge. And that's how it, I think we, we approach any of it. it it's not, you know, we're not going to treat him, um, or, or we try not to treat him like, like he's different. It, it's different in the sense that different from the differences that we all have. Um, well, and I think just like thinking about how it relates to our family, I guess, um, and parenting the kids and all that, um, I think in, in, a, in a great way, it's made us probably closer um, because we kind of know we're on a team and we're on mm-hmm. a special team that not everyone's on. Mm-hmm. And so um, the girls know that, you know, because they remember, you know, all the mornings that the therapists would come when it was TIS, they would come to your house. And so, you know, they would wake up in the morning and say, oh, is, you know, Miss Amy coming today or is Miss Sarah coming today? Or, you know, they're curious to know who's coming to, you know, is Rex getting therapy today and they wanted to be a part of it. And so I think they kind of like early on got that, like, this is like we're all in this together. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, they're really pretty good about understanding sometimes that, you know, he needs this little extra attention right now. And like you'll get your attention, you know, maybe after he's in bed or you know, um, we'll make time for you, but uh, there's just moments where we need you to like be a team player and go along with the flow. And they've been pretty great. Yeah. You've got three very mature (laughs) girls, I would say. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, seeing the way that they interact with him is really touching. Yeah. So I do. Yeah. I, I, from listening to you guys, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing and that, um, (laughs) like I can feel like the acceptance, Mm -hmm. like such a difference, um, when I don't accept a situation or, right. you know, and I can see that you accepted that and you right. are I think we're probably, for help. Yeah, um, we're pretty unique, I think, a little bit because I think a lot of people, um, when their kid's about to be diagnosed with a disability or they think something's wrong, it's sort of the opposite. I feel yeah. like a lot of ways I was sort of <laughs> like different in the fact that I was like, no, I w- need this diagnosis. I want this so that we can, um, you know, move on and and work on it, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I There wasn't really, for me at least, um, I think Jed might say differently, but um, for himself, but for me there was never like a denial portion. You know, I just went from, okay, this is going on, we need to help him. And, um, you know, acceptance was easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, I'm not going to say there's not some level of like, there's a little bit of grief, you know, there is, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know, you can't dwell in that. And I just figure I might as well just, you know, what are my choices, you know, cry all day or accept, you know, who he is and mm. let's, let's go, you know, let's do all we can for him. That's kind of always our mm-hmm. choices too, though. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, and we're not immune from the, the feelings of, you know, obviously we, we wish the situation was, was different or that, that he didn't have the, the struggles that he has. Um, but at the same time, we, we do realize, hey, let's, sometimes things are the way they are and, and let's, take it on as as best we can. Yeah, we we still have struggles ourselves, you know, struggles with it and uh some days are are easier than others, but you know, for the most part most part trying to to maintain that that attitude I think is mm-hmm. 
That's it's been big. Great advice for anything. Uh, we were talking before the show started about what song I was going to pick to play for this. I realize now I should have picked the Thomas the Train theme song. But <laughs> I could sing it, but you don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's a missed opportunity, but we are going to go ahead and go to break. All right. Um, we'll, we'll be right back, guys. You can call us with your questions or comments at 901-260-5926. All right, everybody, welcome back to Tell Me More Radio with Tom Shadiak. I'm your host, Brooke Fernley, and tonight we're talking about autism. So if you were listening in the first break, we kind of started out with the story of this kid that I'm lucky enough to know named Rex. Um, who? How old is he now, guys? He's three and a half, so our little... He's a little further than that. He's like three and three-fourths. Mm. His birthday's September, so... It, he'll yeah. be four in September, so we're, we're still pretty early in the, uh, in the whole process and the whole kind of figuring each other out but and I, I mean a diagnosis doesn't even typically come this early um typically with with early intervention and, mm-hmm. and age three is is where they like to to really start okay. um you know the, the earlier the intervention the uh um, it, it's shown to be more beneficial um in everything it we were fortunate enough to to be able to work with professionals early on, so you know, right out when he right when he was three. So we were talking before also about the involvement of your older daughters who mm-hmm. have really stepped up to the plate. But I also want to know how the people around you have reacted. Your families, mm-hmm. random people you meet. How's that go? <laughs> well, yeah, there's probably a difference between families and the <laughs> random people you meet. Let's do but, both. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the support that we've had has just been fantastic, whether it be um, immediate family with the girls and, and their understanding, um, relatives, parents on um, both mine and, and, and Valerie's have been um, extremely supportive, cousins, um, <laughs> you know, for, for the most part, you know, extremely supportive and wanting to, to learn. And that that's what's been great, you know, um, People have been willing to to listen. Um, you know, as of with with anything, you you have some good and 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 bad with the with the support o- overall. You know, my my work with with Helena those have been the the best family, the best work family I could I could ask for, and extremely supportive in um, in willing to to talk about it, to, to listen or, or anything they can do, um, supporting me. So it's, it's been good. Um, yeah, I was going to say with family, I think kind of going back to the acceptance thing, I think maybe for people who weren't us, there's maybe a little, sometimes I could, you know, see that they were a little, I don't know, sad is the right word, but I could see that they had a little bit of like that moment where they were like, Oh, you know, and maybe so for some people it took them longer than others to like, really be like, oh, okay, I can accept this. Because a lot of people are just uninformed that, you know, he could be diagnosed this early and all those kinds of things. Right. And so, um, you know, back even 20 years ago, you know, he might not have been diagnosed with autism. They may have just said, oh, he's developmentally delayed. And, you know, um, so, you know, there's educating people. I mean, that's part of this whole process. That's why we're here. That's why we talk about it so often is to educate people on how it's, you know, autism is so different than what people think it is. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and and to go along with that, a lot of what we received initially was, you know, 
people not maybe not understanding or or trying to be supportive we we did have quite a few oh well he's so young there, there's no way that it. you can know mm. he'll grow out of it so where where in intense may intense may have, have been positive um, it, it came across as as doubting sometimes or in invalidation like wait a minute we we're with him 24 hours a day we we see we, we've talked to the doctors um, we, we try not to take that personal because we do understand that, that those comments aren't necessarily meant to be negative. Um, but there's, with with the greater population, and it would have been me five years ago um, before, or out of our kids, 11 years ago before we had kids, not not thinking, you know, I, I probably wouldn't, trying to be supportive and saying those statements. Right. Oh, no, he'll grow out of it. It. You understand that it's meant to be a comforting comment, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you know that that did strike a nerve a, a, a time or two. The Today Show actually came out with a list of questions that you shouldn't ask parents with children who have autism, mm-hmm. um, and kind of things you could say instead. Right. I want to know if you guys have gotten some of these comments and how you feel about <laughs> them. Um, they said. You'd never know by looking at him that he has autism. Right. He looks so normal. <laughs> All <laughs> the time. Really? That's the number one one we probably dislike the most yeah. <laughs> also. Um, Rex is, in, in a lot of situations, is, is high-functioning. And, and if you see him for five or, or, or ten minutes, you you may have – I can see where that thought comes mm-hmm. from. And, and again, I don't think that's meant to be a, a negative. I don't, I don't think people stop and think about how that comment can be really be, you know, old – it's either meant to be a make you feel better, right. mm-hmm. or or kind of like a, co- a compliment, or a it's meant to be a compliment. You're hiding it well, <laughs> right? But, or but, something. But also, mm-hmm. it can be invalidating. Oh, you must not know what you're talking about because he doesn't look. Because I can't, right. I I can't see the disability, so he must not have it. That that's how it feels sometimes. Right. I'm, I'm feeling. I guess, little, does that make you angry? <laughs> yeah, looks does like it? it's it, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to to me, it does. I don't I don't yeah. know if it does Valerie as much, but that that's one that's that's hit for me more yeah well that's someone telling you that your child should be or do this look right. look a certain way and, and right. if we have time to to get to, to talking about thought you know what's referred to as the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and and how uh, that that spectrum is so wide to stereotype one specific look maybe there was a documentary or a, or a video that i saw with somebody who was autistic and he right. looks very different than rex did or or at, mm-hmm. at either end mm-hmm. of the spectrum um, I, I don't, don't know if it's intentional. Um, I, I understand it at the same time. Cause I, I think I've probably had those stereotypes in my head. You, you see somebody parking in a handicapped spot that don't, doesn't look handicapped and, right. and natural tendencies are, there, there's nothing wrong with that person. And going, going through this with, with my own son is really making me take, take a step back to where I, um, I, I try not to, to think that way anymore. I don't um, know that we usually tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think we're quicker to jump to blame. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we hear that one. That's probably like the number one one I hear um, because I guess, you know, our son is, you know, high functioning, which means he does speak. He does interact with people, you know, an, on a certain level. Um, you know, he's I've seen him go up to people he doesn't know and, you know, look at them in their face and say hello. I mm-hmm. mean, you know. So he doesn't maybe uh, meet all the stereotypes that uh, what, of things that they may have seen in the media or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's the one that we hear the most that I think we both kind of like just 
for me, it's more of like an eye roll, like, okay, this mm-hmm. person just doesn't know that that's right. going to come across to me the way that they are saying it. And it's it. easy to brush off because a lot of times you can you can tell with the tone of the voice that they do mean it as a, they think of it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you like take them aside and you really realize how it's coming across. And, do you? And you just let Is it go. Is that a conversation <laughs> you have or no, do you usually no, brush I, past I'm, it? No, I'm pretty easy to to brush that kind of thing aside. Mm-hmm. You're not um, the most confrontational person <laughs> I know. No. I'm I feel not. like Valerie might say something to him. I mean, I think it might depend on the circumstance, right. you know. Um, I have never felt the need to correct, like, flat right. out correct someone. Um, but that's still something, you know, I, I will probably have to learn to deal with, you know, my whole life because my son is always going to be autistic. Right. And he's not, not always going to quote, unquote, look it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that, you know, we have it, to keep It's something I'll, I'll let build up and I'll, I'll vent at home, but, and, but I'm comfortable with handling it that way. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially when you can, you can tell that the intention is good, but right. I mm-hmm. think that's why shows like this are important in conversations. Like when you're talking about the way your support system has reacted, how do you guys feel about questions in general? Do people ever come up to you and ask you a question about Rex that you appreciate? Always. <laughs> I think that's like probably the best feeling is that people do want to get to know um, him and us and um, for the most part people are really good to know like if I do this is he going to get upset you know they don't want to see him you know they don't want to set him off um, it's kind of fun because I feel like people are kind of like I want to get into his world you know how can I do that mm. and so um, yeah when when you see when you see the sincere interest and the sincere questions are, are what I like you know that's that's again talking about my my coworkers the uh the thing I've just been blown away with is the sincere interest that they have in, in, in wanting to know, um, wanting to talk about them. What I'm, we don't talk about them a lot, but, but the few times that we do, just you can tell there's a sincere interest. And, and you, we see that with our, with our friends and family as well. So. Mm, that's nice. Um, yeah. I also wondered if you'd ever gotten the question, do you have other children and are they autistic too? <laughs> I don't uh, think I've ever heard that one. I haven't. Yeah. Um, I I have had people talk about oh is it is it genetic mm-hmm. without being direct right yeah. I think and, some people the closest question to that is people will say well how do you know <laughs> you know like they think I just made it up or something you know and then so sometimes I do have to explain you know what I've been through for the last year um, because like I said they see him and yeah he's out you know perhaps he is in a group of other kids and running around and stuff but. Um, what they don't see is the small things that I see that he's stemming. You know, he might be shaking his hands and doing a little thing with his mouth. And maybe because I'm his mother, I perceive it and I see it closer, you know, but you don't see him doing that. Or you think he is just excited. And when you realize that's like something he really can't control, like he's just doing that, um, you know. Yeah, that that's the one I think that has, has bothered Valerie more, you know, so it's not directly related to that question, but that. It, it's more a follow up to he doesn't look autistic, right? Then how do you know? Well, well how do you, you know? know? <laughs> yeah, and and that one would, more in the in the tone of well, you must. There's no way you can be right. Yeah. Mm. No, how do you yeah. I, like? I need to prove myself to you, or, or prove it. Right. I don't want to say prove myself. It, you know, it, it's all. You know about about him and, and his needs. I don't need to. He doesn't need that validation. Right. From anybody. And neither do you. And that's frustrating that people are asking it of you, I guess. Yeah. It can be. I mean, some people generally don't like there. There's a difference somewhat in people who just generally don't know and people who um, 
I, I never th- don't think they ever mean it to come across rude. Or at least I like to think that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah I don't the think way. there's any negative. I, I really don't. Even though the, the tone changes, I don't really think there's a, a lot of negative in, intent there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we actually have a caller. It's oh, okay. Adrian that we mentioned earlier. Oh, okay. Adrian, join us on the air. <laughs> Hi there. Hi. How are you? Good. Yeah. How are you doing? Great. <laughs> And, and, and sharing the story, um, it, it, it reminds me a lot of my own nephew's story. Mm-hmm. He is he is 16 now, but when he was um, kindergarten, first grade age, his his behavior and some of the things he was you know intensely focused on. My sister and her husband started to realize you know this is not how a, a child this age normally develops mm-hmm. and this had happened about the same time um, I, I live in North Carolina and North Carolina was trying to privatize the mental health system so it was very very difficult to be able to get the the structure of professional care that they needed and it was like year after year where they you know really wouldn't get a diagnosis that anybody could do anything with. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point it was autism spectrum. At one point it was attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they lost so much of his developmental time because they didn't, they, they really didn't get a good diagnosis for him. And it was extremely frustrating, you know, for, for their immediate family and you know, it was one of those everyone was was helpless and right. at the same time you know i know i was as judgmental as anybody else well you know what's wrong with him what can we do for him but the the the, the right at the end of the tunnel you know, he's he's 16 years old now he still has um trouble with the traditional school structure mm-hmm. but he is the smartest guy and he can solve problems and figure out how to do things and he's into photography and takes beautiful pictures and it just was a long time before you know, he could you know figure out what those outlets were and and how to cope with them so i yeah i yeah. know it is okay we've we've got some questions for you in the room jed what oh, do you want okay. to say no I, I was just gonna say that that's a great story to to hear because a lot of times we focus on the, the things that he can't do but to hear you talk about all the the positives and then and his strengths and the, and the things that he can do, you know, that's something that we try to focus with with Rex. We get we get the questions on what he can't or, or how did you know or what mm-hmm. um, what struggles he has. Um, but to to really turn that focus in what he can do and 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 shine the positive. And we we try to do that with all of our our kids, but but really um, with with Rex, let's, let's talk about the things that. That he can do and he can excel and let's not talk about limitations he's going to have limitations right i mean we all have limitations though but if if those are the only things that we focus on then that's always going to be something that holds us back but having autism doesn't need to be something that holds rex back right, right. And, and to to comment on the um the the part about not kind of being bounced around the the diagnosis process and, and going from mm-hmm. whether it be sensory disorders or or neurodevelopment disorders or or autism you know that that's something that we've we've seen it it, it seems like um, as time goes on as as the studies are 
become more and more more concrete that the, the system's getting better with that, but it, it's still everyone wants to wait until we can pinpoint exactly before we want to do anything. And I don't think that's the the direction that that benefits anybody. Mm. Um, that the insurance company as well will cover this, but not this. So we have to have a, a concrete. Um, if we have an autism diagnosis, he's qualified for this, but not this. If he's neurological. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need a label of some sort just to be able to get into the system. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we talk yeah. about it in, important not to label people, but at the same time, we have to have a, a label to, to, to just get in the door. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and that's frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's scary, too. I mean, being in that process so long, I'm sure, was really frustrating yeah, for you guys not to have an answer. To do that for so long. Right. Yeah. Because having a name can help you kind of release some of that. We heard right. earlier that you guys felt a lot of pressure kind of fall off of you. Right. You you knew what more what you were dealing with right. when you had that diagnosis. So I can see how it would have been really frustrating. So thank you for calling in and sharing that with us, Adrian. And thank you so much for that package that you sent. It made oh, my I'm, week. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> and sharing your story weekend. meant a lot. So we love you, Adrian. Love All you right. guys too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Adrian. Bye. So all right, guys. Actually, we, we need to go ahead and take another break, but okay. we've got so much more to talk about. So we've we'll got be, to talk about trains for just a minute. We have to talk about yeah. trains. So yeah. we'll be right back with you. You can call us at 901-260-5926. All right, everybody, welcome back to Tell Me More Radio. So tonight we've been talking about autism, and this hour has flown by. We don't have enough time to communicate all the things that we, we'd like to, but I know you guys wanted to talk a little bit about your frustrations, about what Adrian was speaking to. Okay. Um, well, just um, like going through the system and uh, dealing with like insurance, it can be really, um, and we're still kind of dealing with that right now, finding out what, you know, um, or his insurance will cover or won't cover and um, how we're going to pay for the therapies otherwise if they don't. Um, because even though he gets some free services at school, um, we feel like he probably still could use some additional things. And um, I think that's like a big concern. I know like I'm in an autism moms group and that's a big concern for a lot of the moms is how they're going to afford to pay for the things that their insurance won't pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, some people qualify for 10 care and some people, you know, some people don't. And um, when there's are, these are therapies that your child needs, it can be frustrating for sure. Yeah, it's not just frustrations that we have in, in our specific situation. We are fortunate enough to be able to um, have a therapist come out um, every other week and work directly with them. We're hey, Miss Lala, just in case she's listening. We're in a yeah, we're in a uh, a great school system where he's he's qualified for their pre K program, um, and they they work with him and and with a lot of other fantastic kids with. Um, with various disabilities. So we're fortunate in that sense, but the, a lot of the frustrations are with just with what the autism community as a whole goes through and the, the lack of education in, in general, I think, um, attributes to that, you know, whether it be lack of understanding at a, a government level, lack of understanding at an um, insurance level, 
um, whatever it may be. So that's where a lot of the frustrations, you know, our, our direct frustrations are, I, I think, are a little bit more minimal now mm-hmm. where, where Rex, is, Rex is directly um, affected now. You know, then you you think about in the future and what what options are going to be available to them, and and there there's some there too. But does that scare you? How do you guys feel about Rex's future? Hmm, that's hard too. <laughs> um, I think we're optimistic. Like you're always cautiously optimistic um, about um, all, any of your kids, really, because you just you don't you know they come to you the way they come, and then sometimes they're different than you think they are. And so um, I'm optimistic that you know we keep doing what we're doing, but we keep researching and we keep, you know, we never stop trying to find out what we can do to help him, you know, grow. And, uh, we just keep going. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like I said, like earlier, that's our two choices is to keep going or be terrified and do nothing. And so, you know, I'm definitely of the mindset we keep going. Yeah. And I don't want to try to portray that we're always happy, optimistic, you know, we, we never have those, those fears or those, those negative, um, thoughts that are, yeah, we we had different when when Val was was pregnant with him when we knew he was our going to be our first boy. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there was excitements that when you when you go through the um, the process diagnosing with autism and and, and seeing um, some of his his challenges, there are some some disappointments. Some um, were that what you were expecting or, or the the excitement that you had. I'm no less excited for Rex. Um, he, man, he's, he's the greatest kid. He's, he's funny. He, um, he can dance. He, he, can. <laughs> he dances like no other. Um, but, but your expectations shift or, or your thoughts and your dreams shift. So it, it's not, and there's some natural tendencies for disappointment to, to kind of to sink in. At, at the same time, you do have to be optimistic. You can't dwell on those. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't let that dictate your life you, you know it, it, again it's all about rex and and giving him opportunity and and helping him to excel he's going to excel just like anyone else right um, and i think our expectations of him are no really different than um what they are for our daughters i mean they may come about later or in a different way but um the expectations are no less they right. may be different but they're no well, less. yeah okay no less yeah um and like i grew up in a family there's six of us and, you know, I had a lot of brothers, so sporting was like a big part of our life, going to sports events. And so, you know, having our, uh, having a boy, um, I think that was one thing I was actually looking forward to is soccer and baseball mm-hmm. and doing those kind of things. And, you know, maybe he still will get into those things. He's too young yet to really know. But, you know, if, if instead his whole life he loves trains and that becomes what our family is about, like that's, I'm okay with that. Mm. And, um that's just the life, you know, that's just the path that we've been given instead. Um, that's beautiful. I heard a really frustrating perspective again on that list of things you mm-hmm. shouldn't say. And it it said, are you going to put your child in therapy or are you going to accept him the way that he is? Hmm. And uh, I found that to be utterly ridiculous. It's <laughs> almost a contradiction. <laughs> right. I, I, absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely accept him the way he is and, and his joys and his passions but at the same time i want him to have the best opportunity that he can and if, and if that's with helping him get helping him communicate helping him get his frustrations out helping him um 
do things. And, you know, one thing that I wanted to get to, and I don't think we'll get to, maybe we'll have to, to come back another day, but there are all kinds of, you know, there's a a relatively new ap- approach in, in therapy where you really focus on his um, affinity. Uh, a, a, affinity. Mm-hmm. That, which is uh, a, another word for a fixation, which a lot right. of kids with autism, um, if people aren't familiar with that, they have something they really cling to that's really kind of what, in a way, kind of grounds Rex to the world is Thomas the Thomas Train. Thomas the Train. And, um, yeah, and, and, and with this affinity therapy, the, the focus is letting him have that and don't try to pull that from him, but let him explore his world through that. Right, um, yeah. And, and that just makes a lot of sense to us. Well, that that's what makes sense to everybody, though. That's what we talk about here on the show, too. You want to do the thing that you're passionate about, and giving him the respect to be able to do that is... Well, well, and you say that, but in, in traditional therapies, it's not necessarily doesn't make sense. Mm. A lot of therapies are solely focused on behavior and what's well, acceptable behavior, yeah. and he and he needs that. Right. To, you got to learn some social acceptable behaviors for sure. You know, social skills and mm. and how how he can communicate, but also letting him be who he is. Mm. That's beautiful. And let him figure things out that way. I love mm-hmm. that. We actually have another caller, okay. and it's DJ. I think you guys know him. <laughs> You're on air, DJ. Hey, how are y'all doing? Good. What's up, we DJ? Are great. <laughs> What do you got for us? Well, I just wanted to comment on the fact that I've had kind of like a secondhand experience from my sister who has, I have an autistic nephew, and he is on a different end of the spectrum because he got diagnosed with similar to Rex, and Mm -hmm. he has social interaction, and he does some things, but then he's also very particular. Like, I know growing up, he couldn't have anything rough. He'd always Mm -hmm. suck his thumb and then hold hair or or a blanket because he had to have his uh, food cut up in certain ways. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. eat it if it wasn't. And, you know, it's just those particular things that it's not typical of kids. Right. It's just very interesting, like, the difference between Rex and... Yeah, and I I think that goes... yeah, I think that goes back to the comment of, you know, the the question, oh, he doesn't look autistic or he doesn't fit that that um that mold. And so that that's an important comment to say that there are they're There's very mm-hmm. it's it's a very wide spectrum. I so. mean, just like anyone else though, you're always going to have right. kids who are different. Every single kid is different. Right. There's a famous uh, I don't know if it comes from one particular person, but it's something I've heard a lot, you know. And they said, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Mm. Meaning, you know, just like us, um, we're all different people. Just because, you know, Jed and I are both white doesn't mean we're both the same, right. you know, kind of person. But we tend to stereotype but, right, and generalize. You know, right. So I, that's something that stands out to me a lot, you know. And I'm learning that too, you know, like just like DJ's coming about his um, – his two nephews are very different, you know, in mm-hmm. some ways, but they're similar in some ways. But, you know, right. they're each, you know, like you said, different they're each individual, <laughs> distinct human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't always see that or talk about that with autism. It's easy with anyone who has anything about them that's different to generalize and say this person is different than I am. They all behave the same way. Right. 
and and that's not a healthy behavior. So thank you so much for calling us, DJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, DJ. We appreciate it. All right. Um, like there is one little thing I could share at the end. If oh well, this is pretty much the end. Okay. So if you'd, if you'd like yeah. to share something, go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't think I could read it without crying. But mm-hmm. there's a great poem that kind of um, to me sums up what this experience has been like. And so mm-hmm. if anybody wants to look it up, um, it's called Welcome to Holland. And um, it's kind of significant to me because my husband's family is Dutch. And so it kind of um, spoke to me when I read it. But the poem is about, and it's written by somebody named Emily Perry Kingsley. Okay, so we have a little bit over a minute. So pick your favorite part. Okay, right. So the poem just basically says, um, when you think you're about to go to Italy, you read all the books. And then when your child is born, you find out instead that instead of going to Italy, you're going to Holland. And how at first you might be disappointed that you're not in Italy, but then you find out all the beautiful things in Holland. And um, that's kind of how I feel about our situation is, you know, maybe I thought I was going to Italy, but instead I ended up in Holland and it's every bit as beautiful. Mm. Wow. That's, (laughs) I mean, that's really powerful. And Thank you guys for coming on our show tonight. You're going to have to come back because we, we got to maybe a third of the things it's we wanted true. to discuss. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, but but what we like to do here is to explore our curiosity. So I love that you guys are allowing Rex to do that and giving him the love that he needs and the support that he needs, just like you're doing for your other children. And um, people can reach out to us through the show if they have questions that we didn't get to that they might have concerns about their own kid. Let us know and we can help you in the right direction.